Welcome to Safety Spectrum, your environmental health and safety connection. This program is a presentation of the Michigan Safety Conference. For almost a century, the annual conference has provided credible educational opportunities and valuable support to the safety and health practitioner by offering 120 instructional programs, along with exhibits highlighting the latest in safety equipment, instrumentation, and demonstrations. To learn more about the conference, please find us at MICH, M-I-C-H, safetyconference.org. Welcome to Safety Spectrum. I'm your host, Sheila Eide. This program is sponsored by the Michigan Safety Conference, and our topic today is Rethinking Office Ergonomics. The pandemic has uh, forced a lot of employers to rethink and be, become creative when it comes to ergonomics for office workers, many of whom are now working from home offices. Here to discuss this challenge in one workplace is Brian Rush. Brian works in health and safety at the State of Michigan Treasury Department, and before joining the State of Michigan, Brian worked in safety at Opus Packing, Guest Stomp, and UPS, and holds an HR degree from Michigan State University. And also, Brian spent four years in the United States Marine Corps. So thank you for your service, Brian. Thank you for joining me this morning. How are you? I'm good, Sheila. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. good. First question. First question I have for you is coming from an industrial background. What type of safety issues impact a mostly office-based uh, workforce? And what did your boss expect you to do when you got there? Sure. So office-based, uh, typically you're looking at slips, trips, and falls, which is uh, one of the most, obviously, if not the, the most common injury in, in any workplace, really. Um, but there were also some things that, um, you know, just maybe kind of uh, kind of went unnoticed a little bit. We still, we still have HASCOM, right? Proper chemical storage, things like that. Uh, lifting and bending, proper lifting and bending. Uh, and specifically officer comics, for sure. I think you found some other issues when you were walking around a little bit, uh, eyewash stations, things like that. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was uh, some uh, portable eyewash stations that uh, that were kind of just <laughs> unattended. OK, and uh, and unnecessary, really. There's 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 no, um, uh, you know, hazard associated um, with uh, you know, again, any reason why we would even need an eyewash. So just really a lot of uh, educational opportunities uh, when I came, when I first came into Treasury. I think key is the education. So uh, what potential illnesses and injuries, injuries are associated with poor economics? So uh, typically you have the, the, musc the MSD injuries, so the musculoskeletal disorders, uh, which consist of mainly carpal tunnel syndrome and, and tendonitis. Um, but you also have injuries uh, like uh, shoulder, neck tension, back strains, things like that. Um, and any one of those um, can be the result of um, obviously improper lifting and bending and even sitting at uh, you know, your cubicle uh, improper workspace uh, setup. So makes sense. Uh, did you do safety walks uh, when you were working in industry and looking for hazards? Do you do the same type of thing at the state of Michigan? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's uh, on a lot, I guess, uh, a lesser scale, uh, you know, coming from manufacturing, of course, to machines and lockout and all that stuff. Uh, uh, walking around an office space, you don't you don't have those hazards, but we still have uh, things uh, to look for. Um, again, as you know, Sheila, you know, an employer is responsible for, for creating the safest possible workspace. So 
um, all those things, check and fire extinguishers and AEDs and first aid kits and uh, being on the lookout for um, one of the, another, one of the biggest things is tied to slips, trips and falls is uh, computer cords and data cords that tend to sneak out into the main highways that uh, under cubicles, whether if it's from the cleaning staff vacuuming or the employees kicking those cords out. So we've done some things to kind of highlight um, those hazards and, and how to remedy them. I think one of the things I used to notice when I was doing office walkarounds is uh, people had portable heaters a lot. Yes. Uh, they just don't heat and cool for everybody's <laughs> satisfaction, as you well know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, DTMB has building guidelines, and they reference you know, the portable heaters and and things like that. So uh, that's another one of those things that you know, if we spot it, we we try to you know educate the employee, let them know what the DTMB building guidelines are, so they're being followed. I think you mentioned uh, to me before that uh, Treasury was a little bit ahead of the game on the ergonomics part. Yeah. Partly. Yeah. Yeah. So when I um, uh, was going through the interviewing process, um, they had already started, uh, it was called the Smart Workspace Committee. And what they were doing was uh, basically redesigning uh, personal workspaces um, that were ergonomically friendly. So adjustable tables, uh, they were bringing in uh, chairs. Um, but they really needed someone to kind of, um, you know, champion that effort and kind of, kind of, you know, put the, uh, put the icing on top, if you will, as far as educating the staff and informing the staff of what that means for them. So how to adjust their chair, uh, how to adjust their work surface and where it should be and, and things like that. And, and, and like I mentioned, when I was going uh, through the interviewing process, that was the main topic of, of my experience and how I could bring that bring that to treasury. Uh, as I remember the interview process in the state of Michigan, you probably had to offer some examples of how you would fix a particular problem. Yeah, I had to bring in a presentation, <laughs> which which <laughs> wasn't, uh, it wasn't bad. Uh, it was something that I, I've done really my whole career. So I, I kind of had uh, probably half dozen examples that I that I could pick from. And, uh, and that was one of them. Uh, one of the approaches that um, uh, one of the examples that I, I've done previously was was ergonomic assessment for our customer service reps and my and my previous employer. So, uh, real easy um, in terms of being prepared for that and and kind of showing them that information during the interviewing process. So, how do you differentiate differentiate office ergonomics? I mean, we probably don't have well, we might have some lifting and carrying slips and falls. So, uh, what yeah. types of injuries did you expect to find when you looked at their uh, records? Well, you know, just uh, from from previous history, I was expecting to find a lot of slips and falls. And uh, that's, you know, looking back at uh, injury and illness records for Treasury the last 10 years, that is the number one injury for us. Um, I, I, you know, luckily, we have not had any um, um, injuries associated with poor ergonomics. So any carpal tunnel, anything like that, uh, even uh I think there was maybe one or two in the last 10 years that were a result from um, improper uh, lifting and bending. So because yes, we, you know, 90% of our workforce is um, general office environment. We do have a male operations staff that do a lot of lifting and bending and repetitive motion, things like that. So uh, first and foremost, it was um, to, you know, kind of take what treasury had already established and really enhance it uh, in terms of office ergonomics, like I mentioned, training uh, staff on 
adjusting their chair work surface, things like that. But it was also our mail operations staff, proper lifting techniques, uh, using carts, avoid overreaching, all, all those things, um, uh, providing adjustable work surfaces for them. Um, and so um, it's it's been, uh, I think I mentioned to you before, as much as Treasury uh, has done, or as much as they did before I got here, it was still a target-rich environment <laughs> to, to make these improvements. So it's it's been fun. You talk about adjustable work services. Uh, do, does more than one person use an office? I know that the state was talking about having like cubicle. I'm not sure what they call them, but for remote workers or for people coming into the office occasionally. Or yeah, so current state with with or I should say future state with COVID, we are going to have hoteling spaces uh, for remote workers that you know may be coming in, and uh, those work surfaces are adjustable. So um, well, I should say not the entire work surface of the cubicle, but at least where their keyboard and monitors would be. So those, those surfaces are adjustable, which is, which is really the, um, the priority as far as getting them set up uh, properly ergonomically. The other work surfaces where they would just store materials or write something on, those typically aren't as important, um, but we do have that. We also have uh, in our mail operations center, we have positions that require a lot of sorting and, and, and shifting and passing of, um, of documents and, and other mail and things like that. And again, we have a pretty diverse staff. Uh, I think the tallest one in our mail operations uh, is 6'3", and then our, our shortest one is like 5'2". So with that, we, we uh, when we redesigned the space, our facility staff, and credit to them, uh, without even my input, brought in these adjustable tables to make sure um, that the, those those working surfaces were at a proper height for those individuals standing. So, uh, again, walking through and on one of my safety walks, I did have a the, the person that was five one. She had the table properly adjusted, and then the next person over was six three, and that table was about twelve inches taller than the other one. So uh, <laughs> it was, uh, but it, it, again, good to see they're using them uh, the right way. So. Well, there is a lot of diversity in the workplace. I remember working at a utility and they brought in females into as boiler operators starting and they never had females there before. So it did lead to a lot of adjustments, which actually helped both both genders because some of the things got fixed that maybe wouldn't have. But right. yeah, you have to assume that there's a lot of diversity that you have handicapped people, you know, you have all sorts of things that might might change. Sure. So, how much attention do you think was given to ergonomics before the pandemic closed down the office? I think in the old days, you used to have a doctor's slip to have an assessment or things like that. What has changed? What, so, changed? yeah, so, okay, so yeah, I, I'm sorry, you're asking like uh, from pandemic on? So oh, yeah, right, because you happened to come in right at 2020, January 2020, I believe, and yeah. walked right into <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I started, I started January 13th of 2020. And two months later, yeah, we had COVID. So, um, so yeah, initially it was, we, we did a lot of things proactively. So short-term when the pandemic hit, uh, it was more of handouts, videos, stretching exercises, uh, you know, in, informational flyers, things like that to, you know, don't work on your couch, um, you know, <laughs> things like that, uh, you know, sitting at the kitchen table type stuff. Um, and you know, so that, you know, and of course, at that time, we were all unsure of 
like when we be coming back, we everyone kind of thought, well, we're going to be coming back soon. A couple months, this thing's going to blow over, and then then people are going to come back. Well, as you know, things kept getting pushed out even further. Um, so we we kind of stepped it up a notch, and we we did ergonomic workshops. So it was a workshop that I uh, coordinated and 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 uh, and uh, presented to to staff voluntarily. Uh, it was um, I think about a month and a half long. So every week. Uh, people could join the team's call and we basically walk through a self-assessment that people could do, um, you know, covering really everything soup to nuts from the personal workspace. So your chair, your work surface, your monitor, your keyboard, uh, you know, basically the setup uh, of your workspace, making sure that you didn't have cords that were trip hazards and all those things. Right. Um, and then once, once we realized that, um, uh, you know, that there was, uh, you know, employees were really, you know, wanting this, this uh, training, we developed a module on the state of Michigan Learning Center. Um, so, it, you know, so for current staff, it was voluntary that they go through this training module and the training module contained the same things as uh, the workshops that we did. So employees can watch a video on how to set up the workspace, either on site or their remote space. And it gives them ideas on how to remedy some of those things. Uh, they can perform personal assessments. There's a, a you know, stretching exercises they can print off. There's contacts, na uh, contact names, resources, links, all those things. Um, but we did make it mandatory for new hires. So that's part of our uh, onboarding curriculum for new hires. So any new hire that comes into treasury, they have to take that ergonomic module on the State of Michigan Learning Center. And then from there, if they want a personal ergonomic assessment, or if they have any questions about the equipment or, or you know, the, the office furniture, uh, they can contact me and, and we'll provide that service for them. So, so that kind of leads into my next question of how uh, folks working at home, what are the, some of the things that you implemented? So you're mentioning the, the modules and the, now nowadays with things kind of easing up a little bit, are you getting more in office staff or are many of them still going to be working from home? Rough, uh, about 50% of our staff are going to continue remote. So, wow. okay. uh, yeah. So, so we still want to, we, we still want to make sure that we're, we're providing them the providing them the necessary resources. Uh, as most, uh, I'm sure every health and safety you know professional out there, they have their annual training calendar, and we're going to be doing those ergonomic workshops again, uh, just to make sure that you know maybe it got missed last year um, for for some of those folks. But um, we just want to you know kind of continue to to send the message that you know how important it is because like you know. Uh, at the MSDs and the carpal tunnel and the tendonitis, it's not an immediate injury. It, it develops over time. And, and I, I think Treasury has done a really good job of, of trying to be as proactive as possible since the pandemic uh, to make sure that um, we're not going to you know, incur those injuries in 2023, 2025, right? So we, we just want to be as proactive as possible and, and keep getting the message out there and, uh, and the importance of, of having a proper uh, workspace setup. That's a good point. Uh, we did a program earlier last year about the aging workforce, and I do believe that it is aging. Uh, we're not having as many young people, and it, people are staying at the workplace longer than they used to. So I'm sure that yeah. those factor into ergonomic injuries. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, one of the things that we talk about in the not only in the video but also in the self assessments is movement. When I, when I first started kind of interviewing employees and, 
going through these assessments, everyone thought, well, if I stand all day, then I'm fine. <laughs> and, and it's, um, unfortunately, it's not true. It's, it's whether you stand all day or whether you sit all day, uh, both scenarios have negative health impacts. You have to move. So we, we talk about that when we go through the assessments um, and even eye strain, right? So that's another part of it. So, you know, every 10 to 15 minutes, you, you look at an object on the wall, give your, give your eyes a break. But at least every half hour, you're getting up and you're walking somewhere. You're, you're going to the printer, your uh, break room, you're getting a drink of water, something like that. You, you, it, you need to move, uh, which is hard to do. It's, it's easy to kind of get sucked in. And next thing you know, it's a couple hours later and um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't moved. But um, uh, we, we suggest uh, even putting reminders in your outlook every half hour, you know, get up, go somewhere, you know, uh, get moving, right? So um, all those things we try to implement in, a, in a, the training program. Now, I know that you do walk-arounds at the office. Uh, do you actually do home assessments, if asked? Yes. Yeah. According to our telework policy, uh, we can. It just has to be an agreement between, uh, obviously, the employee uh, and, and myself, if that were the case. Um, basically, it's just a you know agreement via email or it's documented. Um, I've done them via Teams even uh, since yeah. since the pandemic hit. Um, where, uh, you know, again, just because of the, um, um, you know, the, the, the public health, uh, crisis, you know, they obviously going into someone's home, was it, uh, wasn't feasible. So we made a way, we found a way to do it via teams, uh, individual would have a camera, they turn it around. Uh, I'd kind of walk them through, uh, certain measurements, things that they're looking for. Um, so, um, we made it work to the best, uh, the best that we could. So. Well, I probably should point out Teams to you is like a Zoom, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah, of, I forgot to identify that earlier. Yeah. I knew what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So then you have, uh, I think you said you had regular team meetings like every week too. We do. We do. We have uh, uh, several uh, throughout the week with facility staff and um, and even our bureau directors, uh, you know, supervisors and managers. Um, have their you know, business area meetings and things like that where we can communicate different uh, health and safety topics. And, and you've like done that. some of your training over team, your, yeah. TED, your TED talks, as I call. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whether if it's uh, and one of the other things was, um, you know, one of the uh, uh, numerous times that, you know, we, we thought employees were coming back and that was making sure our emergency monitors were up to speed um uh and and you know kind of new or new of our emergency procedures fire evacuation tornado things like that you know when we kicked everybody out of the building uh those emergency monitors went too so you know so those things obviously making sure that they were in place when people came back we knew what the procedures are uh, things like that so again target rich environment a lot of training opportunities and that was one of the things that uh I was told by the employees when I first got hired into treasury was Brian, we just want training. We want more training and um, whatever it is, we just want more of it. Right. So obviously <laughs> the ergonomics was a piece uh, definitely. Um, but, uh, and, and since, since I've, I've been here um, we've, we've implemented over 20 new training modules uh, oh. for treasury. So anything from hands only CPR to how to use a fire extinguisher to, um, basic electrical safety, ergonomics, of course, proper lifting and bending techniques, 
um, that's that's just to name a few. Our uh, proper bandaging, how to treat a choking victim, um, you know, touching on the first aid stuff that would, that you typically would find in an office environment. So that's that's all out there, and um, uh, looking to to create more or you know definitely enhance what we have. Yeah, I looked at you sent me a couple of connections to it, and it is very interesting the way you folks have laid it out. Is that something that would be available to anybody outside the state? Unfortunately, no. It, the, all the training is on a, the state of Michigan, uh, specifically the vault, which is Treasury's intranet uh, website. Um, however, if, if, uh, you know, if I were to be contacted, I can um, you know, definitely point them uh, in the right direction or provide resources if, you know, as I'm able to. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So we kind of do. We network a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of feedback or resistance, should I say, did you encounter initially with presenting uh, these training modules? Um, not a lot, really. You know, the um, ergonomics one um, that, you know, we when we in the short term, that first year when we when we designed or, or put together the ergonomic workshops, um, we got more people signed up from that. I actually thought we would, <laughs> to be honest, um, you know, because again, I'm new, right. So it's like, Oh, the health and safety guy, you know, he's new and stuff. And, you know, he's, you know, and again, health and safety training is not that exciting. Right. So um, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it depends on who's delivering the training, I guess, but oh, there you go. Um, so, so we wanted to, um, Obviously, you know, create something fun, short and sweet, uh, engage the employees, um, you know, and that's something that we've really done with all the training. So, you know, if someone goes on to um, the, the, the AED module, learning module, they don't just get the, the information on how to use the AED. They get a little background on it, like when was it invented, why the need. Um, you know, things like that to, to, to kind of give a, a little bit more information other than just, you know, how to use it, you know, um, hands-only CPR, the, you know, the reasoning behind that approach, um, things like that. So again, try to incorporate some fun facts some historical facts with all the training um, and really show how it's, it relates to real life too. And that's, that's something I've tried to do my whole career when it comes to health and safety training is, yeah, there's a need for it in the office for sure, or even in the manufacturing environment where I came from. But how can it be applied to real life? You have a family, you have kids, you know, you're at a restaurant, someone starts choking, you know, all that stuff. Um, and that's where I try to kind of get the, the buy-in and, and really the engagement from everybody. Do you literally have folks that are the first aid team in the office or AED people or? So we have volunteers. We have, we have first aid volunteers. Um, and uh, we do have a uh, do have a group of staff that are uh, certified um, uh, in first aid response from American Red Cross. Okay. Uh, and that's something. Um, obviously, that's that's kind of been delayed a little bit um, because of uh, because of COVID. Um, last year, I did get my instructor certification. So hopefully, this year we're going to start that back up. Um, uh, for those that want to volunteer, they can. Um, uh, obviously uh, attend one of my classes and it'll be, it's a blended learning environment so that they can go on the American Red Cross and they do kind of the classroom portion of it. And then, um, you know, we get in a room for a couple hours and we do the hands-on portion and uh, they get their certification. So uh, it, again, it's voluntary. Um, 
you know, we, but I, my approach is to try to get everybody involved. Um, sure. The more, the more people know uh, as far as uh, what to do, even if it's only to call 911. Exactly. The better. I, I would rather have, um, you know, 30 people, you know, kind of showing up to an event and, and, you know, kind of knowing what to, and we walk through these scenarios too, right? So after each kind of group goes through the training, we talk about this stuff. So what, you know, go through the process as far as what to do. And I'd rather have 30 people showing up knowing what to do than one person running around looking for that first responder list, you know, and then they find them, they go to their cube and, oh, she's on vacation today. Where do we go now? And so now you're just wasting time. So the more people that we can get involved, the more people that are, um, you know, comfortable with the information, again, even if it's only to call 911, the better off everyone's going to be regardless of the what the situation is now you triggered something that i remember uh, about never knowing if what you do has an impact later and i used to teach cpr heimlich maneuver uh, whatever and somebody came back to me a few months later after the training she said you know my son was choking and i think thank you because i knew what to do to save his life and it's like yeah. wow that's what we live for is safe right, yeah. to get those stories back. So sure. Very rewarding. Feel good. I've never had to do it, but uh, it was nice to hear someone was able to use the training. So I, I agree with you. As many people as can understand this stuff. So I got to ask because we're safety people, what type of measurements or analytics do you use to make sure that your training is effective? Yeah. So we, we offer um, uh, post-assessment follow-ups. Um, I shouldn't say we offer it. We actually do them. Um, um, so what it is, is after we do uh, um, an assessment um, on somebody setting up their workspace, um, we usually do give them about a month because that, that kind of gives them a little bit of time to get used to it and things like that. And uh, you know, most of the assessments I've done, it's kind of funny. Uh, the feedback I get initially after the assessment's done is I, I don't feel like that comfortable. And I, and I tell them, I'm like, because you've been so uncomfortable for so long, <laughs> you know, so it's going to, it's going to take a little time for, you know, muscle memory, things like that for you to, you know, for your body to, to kind of adjust. Um, and, you know, I tell them, you know, I'll follow back up in a month and then we can always make some adjustments if, if we need to. Um, so we do the post follow, uh, the, the post assessment follow-ups. Obviously we track our training reports um, just to see, obviously the, the number of people that have taken those ergonomic uh, modules on the state of Michigan learning center. Uh, and then, of, of course, the, the least most, you know, proactive approach is our injury and illness records. You know, we, want, we don't want to see anything on there, um, you know, and, but we do have um, obviously policies and procedures in, in place where if, if someone is reporting an injury, uh, maybe it's not a re you know, recordable injury, but it's, uh, uh, you know, just a general complaint. Uh, we do have procedures that I'm obviously to be notified and things like that. And, I think it's tricky when they're in a home office, it is compensable yeah. if there's an injury. Yes. Related. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, one of the things that we, we try to really, uh, you know, pass on to the employees that are working remotely um, um, that, uh, you know, if you're unsure of whether you should report something or not, you probably should report it. Probably mm -hmm. should let me know. And yeah. then, I, and then I'll take it from there. Right. So, um, and, and even for our leadership, um, to make sure that their staff is comfortable. Um, you know, we have roughly 1,300 employees in Treasury. And as you know, um, 
you know, we need all the help we can get as safe health and safety professionals. So if supervisors and managers are giving the same message to the employees, making sure they're comfortable in their home workspace um, and that their personal, uh, that their personal workspace at home is safe too. So they, they could have a good setup, but do they have boxes, cords laying around, all that stuff? We yeah. want to make sure that's taken care of. So. I can see having a remote workforce has made us be really creative, I think. Sure. Yeah. So what are some of your key concepts that can be implemented in any workplace? Yeah, I would say uh, in terms of, uh, you know, from an ergonomic standpoint is you want to think 90 degrees. That's, that's really it. So, you know, when I do my ergonomic assessments, it all starts with the chair. Uh, and in, in the modules that we provide in the handouts, we, we actually give them illustrations of, of, uh, uh, of a, models in chairs and sitting at desks and things like that, and even in uh, stand-up positions too. And you just want to think 90 degrees, um, ah. you know, uh, straight back uh, from your shoulders down to your elbows and then elbows out to your wrists, 90 degrees, your hips out to your knees, down to your ankles, 90 degrees. Uh, again, nice, natural, neutral positions. Uh, if you can just think 90 degrees, um, you can really, um, you know, avoid using a tape measure. Some people aren't comfortable using a tape measure and things like that. Um, so if you think 90 degrees, you can get a spouse or a friend to help you uh, kind of stand off to the side and, and, and help you uh, get in the right position. Those are all things that we've uh, uh, have, have tried to use, especially with the remote workforce, uh, some of the assessments that we've done via team. So um, 90 degrees and move, you have to move. Again, I'm a big, big uh, advocate of that. Um, Again, it's easy to get sucked in, you know, you, you kind of get um, you know, sucked into a project next thing you know, it's been two hours, but yeah, really got to really got to focus on the movement there. Okay, well, I think you covered that pretty well. Are there any final thoughts for me? Uh, I don't think so. I, I just really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you about some of the things we've done at Treasury and, and continue to do. And uh, I'm excited to, to, uh, to see what we have in store for, uh, for our employees. So thank you. Always an adventure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Although it's a challenge to mitigate ergonomic hazards in an office workplace, there is an added difficulty of addressing the home office, which you've told us many, many different things. Part of the solution, I believe, uh, is in creating ongoing communication training and close connection with your remote workers. I think that's got to happen. So I'd like to thank Brian Rush from the State of Michigan Treasury Department. He can be reached at uh, rushb at michigan.gov. So if you'd like more information about the conference or this podcast, please check out our website at michsafetyconference.org. Thank you for listening to Safety Spectrum.